Jim Shoemaker and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Well, today we have a favorite guest. Anytime I announce that we're going to have Kurt Zardowski on the air, we get loaded in with questions about Social Security because Kurt is the expert when it comes to knowing all there is to know that you've ever thought about asking questions about about Social Security. He is the president and founder of Zarnowski Consulting. A dear friend, welcome to the program, sir. Jim, good to be back with you. Happy summer to everyone, I hope. Absolutely. Well, we've been having that uh, nice, nice warm, warm weather here uh, the last couple of days, couple, actually a week or so. And, uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's summertime. I'll, I'll talk to you again in August when it's really summertime in Memphis. <laughs> yeah, summertime and the living is easy. There you go. Fish are jumping and the cotton is high. I, I said, keep saying it, man. Monster we'll... looking. Oh, hush, little baby. Now, don't you cry. <laughs> I love it. Great job. I just job. made that up. Yeah, right. You could. You might could make a big hit out of that, too. I, I tell you, Kurt, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And, you know, it is true. When we tell people we're going to have Kurt on the air, questions come in, and they just, they're just questions that I think are legitimate. I'm going to ask you the first question. It's, it's one that I think led to this person asking the second the question that I think really came in from this guy. His name was Ron. And uh, it's, a, it's a legitimate question. He's about 54 years old. And uh, just to kind of give you an idea, he says with this Social Security increase that's going to happen, he's thinking ahead because of the fact that the cost of living increase we saw last year, 5.9%. He's saying it's going to be bigger this year. That's what he's expecting. And he's going to ask the question in a minute about uh, is it going to break or bankrupt Social Security. But let's go to the first question. We did have a COLA increase in, as a result of 2021 uh, and now we're getting, we're receiving it, a 5.9% cost of living adjustment, the largest in 41 years. That everybody welcomed that that's getting Social Security. Now, do you think with what's going on that we're going to see another big increase or will we rewrite the law? So, uh, Jim, uh, I often get this question and I always uh, preface my remarks by saying, uh, and quoting the great Yogi Berra, I'm very reluctant to make predictions especially about the future. <laughs> so here's the thing, you know, to answer the question, I think it's important for people to understand what the current law says about Social Security's annual guaranteed cost of living adjustment, or COLA. Now, prior to 1972, there was no automatic annual COLA in Social Security benefits. Now, Congress would occasionally vote one in, but there was no systematic guaranteed automatic COLA. Legislation was passed in 1972, said beginning in 1975, Social Security beneficiaries would receive an annual guaranteed automatic cost of living adjustment in their benefits. The statute says that in determining how much of a COLA there will be, the Social Security Administration looks to a measure called the Consumer Price Index for urban wage earners and clerical workers, abbreviated the CPIW. It's a 
measure tracked by the Federal Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks inflation in a market basket of goods and services. And in determining how much of a COLA will be given, Social Security is required to look at the increase in that CPIW from the third quarter of one calendar year, i.e. July, August, and September, to the third quarter of the following calendar year, i.e. July, August, and September. And that annual COLA figure then gets announced middle of October or so after the measuring period has closed. So what you saw is that between the third quarter of 2020 and the third quarter of 2021, that CPIW increased by 5.9%, which as you pointed out, was the largest increase in 41 years. So in terms of how much of a COLA will be showing up in Social Security benefits starting in January of 2023, well, it will depend on how much of an increase there's been in that CPIW measure between the third quarter of last year and the third quarter of this year. So the measuring period ends at the end of September. Many a slip twixt cup and the lip between now and, and, and the end of September for things to happen. But yeah, at this point anyway, it does look like the COLA will exceed last year's, again, because inflation has been running so high. But again, I always like to say, you know, things can happen during the summer and, uh, you know, it's, let's not uh, make any type of firm prediction uh, until the measuring period actually closes. You but know, that's what people need to keep an eye on is the CPIW, Consumer Price Index for Urban Wage Earners and Clerical Workers, and the increase from the third quarter of 2021 to the close of the third quarter of this year. And that will determine how much of an increase Social Security beneficiaries are going to get. Now, Jim, I don't know if you recall, but last year... You asked me to predict, and I went on the record and said, eh, 6.0%. Well, 5.9% is pretty close to a prediction. But when you have me back in August, maybe I'll make a more specific prediction at that point, because more of the, the, the period will be closed. But right now, I'm just going to hedge my bets and say, a little too early to tell exactly how much of an increase there's going to be. Oh, I appreciate that. I think what Ron was really asking, I mean, I, and I and I understand it. Everybody, if you've got questions for Talk Money, just send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we'll get them on the air. We'll answer the questions for you. That's all you have to do. And Ron simply was asking, I think he's thinking, you know, I'm seeing my 401k drop, and he's concerned about that. He says, well, should I, uh, you know, what, what should I be planning for this idea behind that? My expectations, this number's going up. Uh, will Social Security be there for me if this continues to be this inflationary period over multiple years? Now, I don't think it's going to be inflationary for multiple years, but I understand Ron's question. I want, it, I want you to be able to lay, nail it for us. He's asking, will Social Security be there for me being Ron, he's 52 years old, uh, when he's 65. And, and Jim, the answer is absolutely yes. I get that question all the time. And uh, here, too, I preface my answer by quoting another great American, Mark Twain, who once said, reports of my demise are greatly exaggerated. I think the same is true about Social Security. And people up and down for, from time immemorial, basically, have been asking the question, that, well, is it going to be there for me when it comes time for me to collect? And I started working for Social Security back in 1976, and I'd go to Zarnowski family functions, and the Zarnowski uncles, 
who were then in their 40s and 50s, would sidle on up to me, put their arm around my shoulder and go, Kurt, uh, is it going to be there for me down the road? And I'd say absolutely. And I, I think that's the case. Because here's the thing. A couple of points. First and foremost, people need to understand that each year the Social Security Board of Trustees issues a report on the financial health of the Social Security program. In that report, they not only lay out the current status, but they then attempt to project 75 years in the future. The 2021 report came out last August, and the 2022 report will be out in a couple of months or so. Basically says that as currently constituted, assuming no changes to the program whatsoever, no increase in taxes, no cuts in payments, they project that Social Security will have enough money to cover 100% of promised benefits, each and every month between now and the year 2034. And at that point, going forward, and this is a key point, Jim, we've talked about it previously, the trustees project that Social Security will still have enough money coming in to pay 78% of the benefits that have been promised going forward. Now, again, that's assuming nothing changes between now and then. And that's a key point, particularly for younger workers who always say, well, there's not going to be anything there for me down the road. Keep in mind, Social Security's primary source of income are payroll tax dollars collected from employers, employees, and people who are self-employed. And so absent a complete and total collapse of the United States economy, Social Security will always have a revenue stream of some sort down the road. The question is, is that revenue stream thought to be enough to cover 100% of the promised benefits? And that's the importance of an annual trustees report projecting down the road, taking into account changes that have occurred over the course of the past year, updating those projections, transmitting them to Congress in hopes of getting them to act and ensure the long-range solvency of the Social Security program. Now, a little bit of history. Going back those 40 years or so and to the late 70s, early 80s, uh, you know, that was the time of real economic difficulty in this country because you had both runaway inflation and you had a recession. And Social Security was doubly hurt by that because, A, they were paying out more in benefits because inflation was so high, but, B, they were generating less income because fewer people were working. So, sure, in terms of looking at the future of the program, yeah, the inflation we're experiencing now is a concern, but it, I think, is less of a concern than what faced the system 40-something years ago because we do have low unemployment. People are still working and paying into the system, which, again, as I said, generates income for Social Security. So absolutely, it's always going to be there. The question is, what form or fashion will it take? And that's incumbent on Congress to act, and the sooner they act, the better but never fall into the trap of thinking it's not going to be there. Don't also fall into the trap of thinking it's a program in crisis. I always say it's a program faces some demographically driven challenges, and the sooner the Congress gets around to deal with those challenges, the better off we're all going to be. Well, Kurt, you always explain that so well, and I think that's what I appreciate. If you just tuned in, my guest is Kurt Zarnowski. He is the president and founder of Zarnowski, Zarnowski Consulting. He's our Social Security expert and always does a great job of giving us insight to what's going on, what to expect, and explains the difficult things. And here's the question. We did a show last week, Kurt, that was talking about divorce, and as a result of that, they knew that we were going to have you on and so somebody's asked this question, Jane, actually. She says, how, you know, how do I know that I'm going to get my ex-husband's payment? What qualifies me for his Social Security payment? Sure. 
Great question. So it, you know, when people are interested in planning for retirement, we've always touted the importance of setting up an individual My Social Security account for themselves, because one of the byproducts of having that account in place is you'll be able to download through a secure website a Social Security statement for yourself whenever you need one or want one, and get benefit estimates for yourself as to what you might be able to collect from Social Security based on your own work record. Unfortunately, though, in terms of figuring out what you might be eligible to collect as a spouse, divorced spouse, or even a widow or widower, unfortunately, at this point anyway, there's no online capability of obtaining that information, and you do need to reach out to the folks at Social Security and ask for a benefit estimate to see what you might be able to collect. But in terms of what a divorced spouse might be able to receive, well, basically, it's the same as with Social Security spousal benefits. Under the rules today, you go to Social Security, you have to take your own retirement benefit first, and Social Security will then compare someone's own full retirement age amount with 50% of the X's full retirement age amount. And if the person's own full retirement age amount exceeds 50% of the X's, well, then there are no divorced spousal benefits payable. Person collects solely based on his or her own work record. If the person's full retirement age amount is less than 50% of the X's, well, again, they collect their own first and then are given some additional money on top of that to bring them up close to that 50% of the X's full retirement age amount. Now, to be eligible to receive that divorced spousal portion, Few conditions do have to be met. First and foremost, marriage needs to have lasted at least 10 years prior to the divorce. Second, for the individual to be able to collect, he or she cannot be married. Now, the ex can have remarried without impacting the person's eligibility to collect as a divorced spouse, but the person cannot be married. Thirdly, person has to be at least age 62, earliest age you can collect, no different than regular retirement or spousal benefits. But there's one distinction that does benefit folks looking to collect divorce spousal payments. Because if the marriage is intact, you can't collect any type of spousal benefit unless and until the other member of the couple is actually collecting. But what the law says in case of divorce is, if you're both over the age of 62 and the divorce was finalized at least two years ago, you can collect a divorce spousal portion even if your ex has not yet started to collect. But again, it comes down to comparison between your own full retirement age amount and 50% of the ex's full retirement age amount. And if your own benefit exceeds 50% of the ex's, well, that's all you collect. Key concept, you collect on one account or the other at a time, whichever one is higher, but you don't get both full benefits at once. So for the caller or the, the person who submitted the, the question, you know, if you meet those requirements, 10-year duration of marriage, unmarried, request a benefit estimate from local Social Security office as a divorced spouse, all they're going to give you is a dollar figure. They're not allowed to reveal any information about the ex and where he is or whether he's collecting or anything like that, but they should be able to give you a benefit estimate, and you can use that to plan for your retirement. Well, that's great information, you know, and I think, you know, the whole idea, Kurt, is you're just giving information that is so needed today because it's difficult. Social Security can be very, very difficult to understand and just go through that process. Jane asked one last question, 
And, I, and I, I'm trying to figure out exactly what she was asking. She said, children, is, can my children of a previous marriage, be, if, my, if my husband did not adopt those children, are they eligible for my husband? That I, and she actually says, I'm married to him 15 years. Will, will that child be able to take the new husband's uh, Social Security if, he, if something happens to him he passes away? Oh, sure. Those are stepchildren, and as long as they've been married for at least a year, um, then, yeah, they're going to be able to, to receive benefits as stepchildren. That, again, that's assuming the um, parent passes away right. or the parent becomes eligible for retirement benefits or the parent becomes eligible for disability benefits. Even but though he was not, not until they the parent is either deceased or collecting on his or her own account. Okay, I'm sorry. Did, even though they did not adopt these two children, he didn't adopt them, they're still eligible? Right. Wow. Yep. They're, they're considered stepchildren. Okay, okay, that's great. Well, thank you, sir. As always, you do a phenomenal job. I'm glad we got these questions. Oh, thanks, Ron. Thanks, Jane, for sending them to us. You can send us any question to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Uh, Kurt, you know, maybe I need to tell them you're going to be on next week and we'll just get more questions because that Social Security, people always have questions for Kurt Zarnowski. Sir, thank you so much. Have a great day. Talk to you again in the summer. Thank you, Jim. Take care. Stay safe, everyone. Stay healthy. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. You know, it's always a pleasure to talk with Kurt because he does such a good job. He brings us in. He explains it in such a way. And it's always those questions that can be difficult. And, you know, that's the reason why you we want you to be able to ask the questions that you want to be answered on the air. This next guest of mine is Michael Powell, certified financial planner. And he is going to dive into questions that you've got and some thoughts that you've had. But Really kind of the title of what we're talking about is reason you might go broke in retirement and how to prevent it. Welcome to the program, Michael. Hey, good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me. You know, Kurt does a great job of giving us the, the big picture. But to think about that, we're going to talk about a subject that is, uh, I'm sure it's on a lot of people's mind. In fact, it just recently uh, in a survey that was done by Gallup, they said 63% of this over 1,000 people that were surveyed by them in April of this year said, I am very worried or moderately worried about my retirement and have I accumulated enough for retirement? All right, with that thought process, explain to me why we're talking about, we only have a few minutes, but just to explain to me, why that's important, and why is everybody dealing with that today? I know the market has created that, but I mean to say that these 63% are worried, very worried, or moderately worried. I think I would be curious to know what they would be at. That same poll, same people for April of 2021. See what that same thing would be. <laughs> that's a good point. Just yeah. because we're such we're such in a un you know uncertain time with the economy and overseas and inflation and gas and everything like that, but. I think for the most part, people are worried just because the market and everything else is uncertain, and that's what people hate the most. But just to tailor off that survey, we ran a Transamerica retirement survey that was conducted by the Harris Poll in late 2020, and it was actually published in November of 2021. Only 24% that surveyed were very confident that they would be able to retire and live comfortably, which kind of correlates with that same survey, so it's, so it's a, interesting. And that's, you said this was this one was done and in, in published in November 2021, but yes. it was done in late 2020. Mm -hmm. That's right in the middle of the pandemic. Right. And 24% were saying, yeah, okay, I'm confident. They're very confident. Yeah, so another 76% must have been that worried group, yeah. or very worried Pretty group. Pretty much, yeah. 
Well, that's the th- reason why I want to dive into this question with you, because, I mean, when we look at it, 73%, and with other poll, I read these polls all the time, but this one has come from Salary Finance Incorporated, 73% of 3,000 people that were interviewed in this year of February, literally about they're extremely concerned about rising inflation. I want to talk with you about how, what are some thoughts that you need to deal with to make sure you don't go broke during your retirement phase. And I think that's important. Just remind you, this is a, a program that's designed to answer your questions. I want you to be feel free to do that. And if you would uh, like to listen to us on the podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. We would appreciate it. We're coming right back in just a second. Don't want to miss it. Michael Powell talking about reasons you might go broke in retirement and how to prevent that. Coming up later in the program, Effie Johnson and uh, Anna Wilcox will be here from the Neighborhood Christian Center. You do not want to miss that part of the program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Kurt Zarnowski or Zarnowski Consulting, Effie Johnson, Anna Wilcox, or Neighborhood Christian Center. The views and opinions expressed are those of Kurt Zarnowski, Effie Johnson, and Anna Wilcox only, and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk money with Jim Shoemaker. On News Talk 98.9. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not an investment advice or recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money. Here's your Talk Money host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. My guest, Michael Powell, Certified Financial Planner with Shoemaker Financial. We're talking about the reality of what reasons that, you know, we you might go broke in retirement and how to prevent them. Now, you think about that. You say, well, I think I feel pretty good. I got my Social Security is going to be coming in. My phone. But we actually make mistakes. People actually do that. Now, one of the mistakes that we tell everybody, especially during this particular economic season we're in, don't look at your statement. That can create a mistake. In fact, Michael, I, you know what I say, don't look at your statement. That leads to your first thing to tell people about what they need not to do when it comes to don't do this, you might go broke in your retirement. What's that first thought? Taking all your all of your money out of the stock market or just out of stocks in general. And, you know, people do that. I mean, that's an emotional thing. I oh, mean, yeah. I can remember, and we watch a lot of 401k plans and we watch the flow of money and we talk to people about that. We get a lot of calls. And, and the reality is you can see it, you know, all of a sudden they start, Oh, yeah, oh, and, and they don't, they're not getting advice. And so they do call, fortunately, and they've learned to call. But a lot of people just say, oh, the market's going down. I've got to get out. I can't yeah. get into stocks. And you're saying, number one, the thought process is don't take your money out of the stocks. Why? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, once you sell out and get out of the market, when are you going to get back in? And I don't have the crystal ball. I know you don't. I do. I do. You do? Yeah, I do. Okay. I just have to dust it off. All That's the what time. I figured. Yeah, it's know. in a box. Yeah. 
<laughs> but for most of us, we don't know when exactly. the market's going to recover or you know, we know time and time again it has. And the problem is, is that when people get out, they don't know when to get back in. And the worst times ever is usually it's like, okay, I sell when everything's down and then I buy everything when it's back up. And usually that's the exact opposite of what we want to do. That's the problem with a person when you're talking about selling is you, it's not just you, that you got out to protect. Mm -hmm. You don't know when to get back in. Yeah, because I hear it a lot. It's like, okay, well, we're going to get out now because I don't know what's going on. But once everything gets certain again, we'll, we'll get back in. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about this. You're going to sell when everything's down. And then you're going to buy when it's overpriced again. That's and what, they're like, huh. I mean, you don't run to Target when things are up 25%. <laughs> you go down, you go there when it's clearance sale, Black Friday, all that stuff. So it's that mindset, but it's emotional. If you, it's, it's your life savings, you know, 401ks and all those things. And it's very, very, very emotional. And, and, and that you, part is really hard to get out. Yeah, so it's, it's really, easier said than done. Yeah, whether you like it or not, it's so emotional sometimes. We, we, were, we were talking a couple of days ago about the reality about avoiding, you know, doing this, but getting good advice. And I know that's the key right there. I mean, look, there's a statistic that you, you actually talked about earlier with me, that the S&P 500, if you went back all the way from April 2012, to April of 22. That's including the last seven weeks of a terrible market. Mm -hmm. And even with that figured in, we're still seeing a, a return of over 195%. I mean, what if you missed half of that? Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, you could miss one or two days and it could be dramatically different from your retirement standpoint. And of course, everybody needs to know past performance is not an indication of future performance. But the reality yes. is what you're saying is, don't take your money out of the market just because it's down. In fact, sometimes we had someone to call the other day said, hey, I know the market's down. I'm going to increase my percentage, you know, and so they were thinking mm -hmm. and, and you could tell the educational process of working with them over the years. They said, hey, the market's on sale. Right. I'm going to buy into the market more. And again, understanding it's for everybody's different, but everybody needs to think through that process. Yeah, and I think the big point is just to stay calm, keep that long-term perspective. And I say long-term, meaning 30, 40 years. I mean, if you're 45, you know, you're probably going to live to your yeah. 80s, 90s. Yeah. Even if you're 65 and you're about to retire, we get that question a lot. Hey, I'm, I'm retiring this summer, next year, and I don't want to see my account go down anymore, so I just need to get out, right? I'm like, no, because are you going to spend all that money your first year retirement? They're like, well, no, I, pl I plan on using it the rest of my life. I'm like, okay, that's that's 25 years, so let's let's just be calm. I let's think that's out. a good point, Michael, because you lead into that when you say that because some people underestimate their life expectancy. I, I was reading something. If you go back 100 years, you know, the average life expectancy at that point was 42 but the reality today is 92, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so we have to think about that. And with all the medical, we went to, I just went to a seminar here recently where they were predicting the next 10 big items for 10 years. And the first one off the deal is the medical, I mean, just we were going to warp speed into what we're going to be able to do medically for people's health. And the, so, so instead of being 92, maybe it's going to be 102. So having that mindset of under, you know, what is my life expectancy? You talk about that. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, longevity risk is always one of those bigger things that we talk about with retirement. It's either spending too much or living too long. And the living too long part, a lot of people neglect because when you retire at 65 or 70 or whenever that is, if we're going to live to 90 or 95 or plan to, because I hear people like, oh, no, I haven't had anybody in my family live past 80. <laughs> and you're like, well, I mean, what, how did they pass away? And it's like, 
accidents or things that aren't really, you know, health related. And it's like, okay, well, that, that has nothing to do with you. I mean, you, you know your health, you know your background and all that. But if you're going to live 30 years in retirement or longer, we got to plan on it. And I think back to Kurt's segment earlier, Social Security is probably the most detrimental thing when it comes to longevity. Because if I take it too early, I could cost myself over a quarter million dollars in, in benefits. And that, I know we could go a whole nother show about Social Security claiming strategies, but that, that part's very important. Okay, so now you've talked about don't sell out of the market. If you're into the stock portfolio, you need to make sure you maintain that stock portfolio mm -hmm. of some kind. Now, avoid the emotional side. Avoid following the herds, what you're yes. saying. Don't get caught up about what everybody else is doing. And then understanding life expectancy. You're going to live longer than your great-granddad did. You're going to live longer probably than your dad did. You know, the reality is plan around that when it comes to approaching your retirement strategies. And that's to avoid doing those things that could possibly get you to go broke. So keep that in mind. What would you say would be another one that is so important to people when they think about these things to do to avoid going broke during retirement? Borrowing money from your retirement early, meaning that, you know, it's, it's the most, we talked about it before the show. It, it, it's probably one of the most tempting things we have when we look at, we get on our website, we look at our 401k statement, and you said don't look at it, but if people do look at it. <laughs> of course we do. They see the number and they're like, oh man, that's a good amount. I've, I've saved pretty well. And then there's stuff that happens in our life, whether it's a car wreck or family emergency or whatever. And the first place we want to go to, it's like, I got the big pot of money here. I'm going to take money out of that. Mm -hmm. I'm 40. I got plenty of time to pay that back. And sometimes people don't pay that back. And sometimes people don't add more money to their plan after that because they get fearful of the market and whatnot. But Borrowing money from retirement, that should be the very, very, very last place that you take it from. And according to the Transamerica survey we talked about earlier, about one-third of workers actually take some some form of loan from their uh, 401k or similar plans. So whether it's an early withdrawal or a hardship you mm -hmm. know, withdrawal, all of those are there for that person who needs it at that particular time. Yeah. It could be for any health reasons. Could be for an emergency that you didn't know. Job loss. I Job mean, loss. There's so many things, and I completely understand if you've done that before. I mean, a one third of people—that's that's, that's a, a good amount of people. Right. So, life happens. We know these past few years have been very different, to say the least. So, you know, having that emergency fund, having money set aside for that rainy day, or if I lose a job, I at least know where I'm at before that. And, and I think a lot of times people just rush to doing the first big thing and don't think about it very much. And that usually hurts. That's a great point. So mm -hmm. you've given us three so far. Now, is there another one that you would say, be careful, don't do this or think through it or else you could end up going broke during retirement. It's a conversation that happens a lot, but healthcare costs, uh, underestimating those. I mean, you look at somebody who wants to retire at 60, 62 some age before medicare which we all know medicare we can't sign up for that until 65 but if i want to retire between those ages what am i going to do for medical insurance does my employer let me keep hanging on to their policy if i just decide to leave at 61 usually not and people are like well gosh i gotta pay 1500 a month for me and my wife for health insurance premiums mm. just the premium I mean, you got to plan that out. <laughs> yeah. And with Medicare, I mean, of course, if you're retiring past 65, of course, you got Medicare as your first option. But there's Medicare gap plans. There's, um, of course, one thing I haven't even mentioned is what if you get into a long-term care event 
or you need someone else to help take care of you. But just from a report from the Employee Benefit Research Institute, they show that if you're a 65-year-old male today, you need about $142,000 to have a 90% chance of affording his health care expenses in retirement. And that's excluding uh, any type of long-term care need if he needs it. And that's ex- and that aren't covered by any Medicare or private insurance. So that's saying out of your pocket, not just what Medicare covers. One hundred and forty-two thousand mm-hmm. dollars over a period of their a life expectancy in mm-hmm. retirement. I, I would think that most of our listeners wouldn't even think about that number. I just don't think that that's a number that's on our radar screen. So I appreciate you bringing that to our attention and the fact that. You know, it's a part of that planning process that you need to be aware of, or you can put yourself into jeopardy. I know when you do planning with a client, you're sitting down and you're going through this process, you're looking at all of these the aspects of retirement, whether they're 45 or 75, mm-hmm. and working through that process and keeping all of these out front because, again, awareness does help a person do the plan. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, the SWOT analysis, if you remember that. Strengths, yes. weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Those are threats. And that could be a weakness if you haven't prepared for it. And it just takes time and a little bit of effort. You can, you can figure it out. But we can always help with that, too. Michael, I know all of our listeners are thinking one thing. How do I prepare my retirement plan for a recession? And now, again... January, we were not talking too much about recession. It wasn't on anybody's real, you know, part of their brain and thinking through that. Today, it's we're seeing about 28% of the economists that we watch and listen to, they're beginning to talk about recession. And that's up about 6 or 7% since January. So, you know, there's always the contrarian. What do you tell our listeners that they need to be thinking about if we go into a recession this year or next? I'm going to repeat myself. You got to stay calm. Stay calm. We got to stay calm first. And you just, know, why is that so important? Because we make the, some of the worst decisions when we're emotional. Very, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's after the Grizzlies lose and you want to go out <laughs> and make some mistakes or if it's just the, the market's down and you're like, gosh, do yeah. I just sell everything and put it under my mattress? I yeah. mean, there's, there's so many different things with emotions and that could be our worst enemy, a lot, ourselves being our worst enemy. And staying calm is so important. And if you can't stay calm, I think it's even more important to talk to someone, talk to a professional advisor, whoever that is, whether it's me or someone else, to at least talk them off that ledge or just navigate. Because we know over the hundred years of investing or longer than that, Jim, I don't know if you know the actual okay, years. Yeah, yeah, okay, but okay, okay, I heard that. I heard that. Okay. I, I'm paying attention yeah, when I, you say that. I, we'll, I talk about yeah. that. we'll talk about okay. that. We'll talk about that. But we know we've been through times like this. Absolutely. Different circumstances, different scenarios, but we've been through times like this and we've always recovered. We just got to remember that part. Yeah. I did that history lesson last week on the radio, and I think it's reality that we all need to think about it. I think the best statistic that you gave us today was the fact that from 2012, April of 2012 through April of 2022, 195.6% increase in the S&P 500. Again, Past performance is not a future, mm-hmm. an indication of future performance. I got to say that. But the reality is, what if I got so emotional I couldn't do that? Now, I know that happens because I know of a person that just couldn't pull the trigger to get back in. Now, you know, for me to think about doing it, haven't done this for a long, long time. That was That's enough. <laughs> a long, long, maybe I should say long, long, long time. But the reality is, how can you not understand that emotions when it comes to working with your retirement plan, plays such an important part. I think it's a 
there's a lot of different factors with that. But I think you got to maintain, you know, a balanced portfolio, put things in the right places, and just make sure that you're following a strategy. Because if you don't have a strategy, that's really hard to get anything. And that's a perfect thought. Well, let me move on with our emotions because we've got two ladies in the studio that is absolutely going to wow you. I have Effie Johnson, President and CEO of Neighborhood Christian Center, and Anna Wilcox, Communications and Development Director with the Neighborhood Christian Center. Ladies, welcome to the program. Hi, Jim. Hey, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> great. Great to have you guys. It's always good because we've been doing this for many, many years, and Talk Money always features programs that are having an effect in our city, and this is one that is definitely having effect. We're talking about the Neighborhood Christian Center. It's a. It's not just a brand new, even though they've got some, some beautiful ladies that run it today. This has been around a long time, but I want to find out what's going on with the upcoming summer programs, Effie. What's happening? Well, we're excited about getting back to in-person summer camps. Um, we will have um, at least three camps going on this summer. Um, they will range from our um, middle school, I'm sorry, our early early um, primary elementary school to middle school, then high school. So when you talk about summer camps, summer programs, th I mean, I know you mentioned to me something about learning with lunch. Yes. Now, what is what, what are the programs called? I love the name. So we have learning with lunch, we have NCC College and Arts, and then we have SOAR. And those three programs allow us to uh, engage with students at their um, their level of learning, um, and also their level of, of excitement and activity that they or that they like to engage in. So, uh, we wouldn't put the high school kids in the summer camp with little ones where they want to do the swim days and the water activities and all this stuff. They want to do some of the bigger kid stuff, so our young young adult stuff. So, um, <laughs> there, it ranges in those different. I get it. Approaches. I get it. They're grown up. <laughs> They're grown. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, I am so impressed. You guys uh, have such a mission, and and I, you know, I guess uh, help share with our listing audience. What is the mission of Neighborhood Christian Center? So the primary mission of the Neighborhood Christian Center is to provide compassionate, Christ-centered ministries to those that are in need um, through uh, sustainable um, services, moving them from um, from a, a, an element of instability to sustainability. And so that's our goal. And uh, with doing that, we serve in, in various different areas, three different areas. One is in adult services um, that aid in employment to GED, support to um, food and clothing and the different things that people need. Um, that's our compassion side. And then we have our youth programs, which we kind of shared a little bit about. And then we have um, the programs we have for um, those that are going to our workforce programs. So uh, we have different varying levels. Now, for when you said the word inst instability to sustainability, that's a huge statement. Let me, let me, I think it's important. Anna, I want you to kind of help us because you've been with the program a long time. You're in charge of development. And by the way, that's critical because that's what <laughs> keeps the doors open. That's right. And it makes it, the ministry sustainable. Mm -hmm. So tell me, when you work with these kids, or you see these kids and you talk to donors that are bringing in, what do you tell the donors? What are you saying to them? I think one of the easiest things for me to tell our donors is just each, you know, a kid's story, right? We have a kid that was a part of our programs four years ago who was involved in a horrific accident with his family. Um, and we've been able to walk with that child through the past four years. Um, and today he's about to graduate from high school with a full scholarship to go to college and play basketball at Pine Bluff University. Um, so stuff like that, 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 that child 
may have not had that opportunity um, if it weren't for some of our staff coming alongside of him and other partner organizations around the city. So, I mean, I, I just like to share the real stuff that happens, um, the good and the bad. Well, the good and the bad. You guys do a ton of good. I mean, uh, Effie, I've known you a long time and uh, knew your mom and dad. Now, uh, give us a little bit of the history with your mom, Joanne Ballard, and uh, your dad. Just just a little history because I want people to understand this is a this is a ministry that has been sustainable for a very long time and very effective for a long time. So Neighborhood Christian Centers in its current state has been around for 44 years. But prior to that, um, the work that we do was um, birthed out of my mom and dad's um, own challenges that they grew up through. Um, my mother was... Um, given away along with her two siblings um, at an early age, um, under one year old, as she was given away and raised in a family that loved them but was not her mom and dad. And so they just went through the challenges of being um, fostered, if you will, through that process. And then my mom eventually graduated from high school, went away to college, um, and um, went decided to move from that college to a Bible college where she became the first woman to attend that Bible college in the early 60s. And when she did graduate from there, she was the first woman to graduate, and they assigned her to Memphis. And the things that she um, went through as a child and the things that she um, experienced as a young adult um, growing through the, that process um, gave her a heart and a desire to see through a lens that was different um, from those that just typically do the work um, of serving people in need. And so she began to see the needs from when she would invite people to church or invite them to activities and things like that, people wouldn't send their kids or they wouldn't come. And the reason why they didn't have the right clothes or they didn't feel they had the right clothes or they didn't have breakfast that morning or whatever it was. And so she began to take her little stipend that she was receiving from the church at that time. And she would go to Goodwill and she would go to different places and buy the things people needed and begin to provide that. And so at that time, there was no neighborhood Christian centers. And so she did the things she would do, thrift stores, whatever was available. My father could not read until he was in the sixth grade. He was third third child of, um, third eldest of eight children. And the seven oldest out of the eight um, eventually went to Pineywoods Country Life School because there was no place to get the proper education that my grandfather wanted his children to have. And as African-American kids, um, there was just no opportunity there in um, Mississippi where they grew they were he was born in Pocahontas, Mississippi, raised in Madison, Mississippi, and then moved on to to um, to go to Piney Woods. And he eventually learned to read, um, matriculated through that process. And at that time, these schools, especially for designed for African-American children, went through junior college so that he was able to to move through that process um, a little more efficiently and eventually graduated from there, went to the army, came back, graduated from Alcorn State, came to Memphis and began to teach school at Douglas Elementary and began to identify the needs of poor of the poor in that community. Together, they began to do the work they do now um, and took our two bedroom home, turned into a nine bedroom home and five <laughs> bathrooms. And, and they raised all these uh, young young adults, 17, 16 to 20 some year olds, um, helped to kind of mentor and support them where their parents felt like they kind of lost the way. And that's how that ministry turned into what we do today. You know, your mom and dad are going to have so many people in heaven <laughs> that really tell them, you had an impact on my life. Wow, yes. And that's going to be, that's so important. So I want people listening to know and understand Neighborhood Christian Center is having an impact on people's lives in our city, and you need to be a participant. I guess, Anna, talk about 
what volunteer opportunities we have and the financial support that we need. Yes, so we have many volunteer opportunities throughout the summer in regards to our summer youth programs. You can be a reading tutor in our elementary program. We have seen quite a high trend of elementary students needing significant academic support over the summer. And so we would love if volunteers want to come and sit with them for an hour and read um, everything from the biscuit books or, you know, Dr. Seuss, anything that an elementary child can really comprehend and understand. Um, our, middle school, our middle school and high school programs, we are currently seeking lunch sponsorships. So this is an opportunity where you can come volunteer, but we're also seeking around $500 sponsorships for 140 students to eat lunch at our building every day. Um, we want these lunches to be well-rounded, healthy, and all those types of things. So that's what we're currently looking for in both volunteer and uh, financial sponsorship opportunities. And also fun, I, I need to say this because there, people could say, well, don't y'all, can't y'all get the free lunch program or whatever? We do do that as well. We do, do the free lunches that we are able to get through the city or whatever, and we send those out to our sites. But these particular kids are extracted from the sites, and so we have to do something different for them. So you're making it happen, though. Yes, you're sir. making it happen. Yeah. I need yeah. people to understand you can reach out to Effie or to Anna. At, uh, just go to Effie at ncclife.org or Anna at ncclife.org. Or you can call them at 901-881-6013. If you want to have an impact on our city, this is a way to do that. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you. If you just tuned in again, this is Talk Money. I want to thank my guests, Kurt Zarnowski, Effie Johnson, Anna Wilcox, and Michael Powell. If you have questions for Effie or Anna, you can reach them again. I'll tell you the number, 881-6013. Questions for Kurt or Michael, you can call them at 901-757-5757. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. We certainly appreciate it. Next week, Steve Anderson, we're going to get a market update. Talk about the recession, if it's coming or not. Jason Harrington will be here talking about principles of investing and Ted Miner will add something to our social security discussion today that's Saturday morning at 7 again on Sunday at 12 noon if you have questions send them to talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com thank you so much for listening we're here every week helping you make the most of your money I'm Jim Shoemaker this is talk money Jim Shoemaker and Michael Powell are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.